0: Jimmy Murray here with Frank Patalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash-flowing real estate.
1: Thanks for joining the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to episode 24 with Neil Bawa. I am Frank, and I'm here with Jimmy to help you crush your goals in real estate.
0: And guys, really excited to have a, a really nationally known um, guest on our podcast today. Hopefully, you guys find this really informative. If you do, if you could leave us a five star review on iTunes or Google Play and share it with a friend, we'd really appreciate it.
1: So, uh, I, I love uh, listening to uh, Neil. He's been all over the place on uh, YouTube and Bigger Pockets and everywhere. You can find him on almost every other podcast lately. He is killing it and crushing it, very big on techni- technical stuff. And, uh, Neil, welcome.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show, Frank. I've been, uh, you know, reading your, your uh, content on Facebook, so I'm excited to be here. Nice. Nice. Well,
0: well
1: thank you. Thank you. Uh, I just love following you. I've been uh, following you for a while, and I know you've been doing some great deals in Utah and uh, Arizona and mm-hmm. uh, everywhere else. So uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit. What did you do before real estate?
2: I was a geek. I'm, you know, I am a geek. I'm technologist. i I'm from Silicon Valley. I live in in Silicon Valley in in Northern California and uh, I've had a uh, career where I've dabbled with uh, data science with network engineering basically uh using data to create money and the only thing that's really changed in my real estate career is now that I'm now I'm using that data to create money for myself not for other people love that
1: yeah, that Love is that. awesome. Well, technically, you're doing it for yourself and other people now. But no, I agree exactly right. what you. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
2: that, that is correct. That is an important distinction because I have currently uh, close to 500 investors that are benefiting from the data-driven insights that my company creates. And you guys know I create a massive amounts of da- data-driven content each year. I think over 10,000 people are using the insight every year, use the insights that we pr- produce. So only about 5% of them are investors. But hey, that, that's a good ratio to have
0: yeah that, that is
2: incredible. just absolutely incredible. Jimmy,
1: what's amazing about Neil is that he gives away so much content and material. It's kind of, I think it's from his uh, technology background. Would you agree, Neil?
2: To, to some extent. So when, when, you know, for, the, for the most part, my technology career was a technology education career, right? And we had two, two divisions, one that did short-term training for uh, technologists and one that did long-term training not for technologists. It was for healthcare folks. And, and I went all the way up to designing bachelor's degree programs in that career, which lasted 15 years. And so when I got into real estate, I was struck by how shallow some of the content in the webinars and the seminars and the conferences is. You know, they would throw some stuff up on PowerPoint, which is it it makes sense. It's it's useful. But then they wouldn't drop down to the specifics. They wouldn't drop down to how you do certain things. So it was I I felt like I was going to all these conferences, which were so different from tech, because in tech you go to a conference and they introduce a concept and then they spend 30 minutes telling you exactly what to do. Here in real estate, you'd spend 30 minutes introducing concepts and never really showing anybody how to make those things happen. It's so so it felt very shallow for me. And so I was like, well, I'm going to establish a brand of I'm, I'm never going to make that mistake. When, whenever you see content from me, it's going to be specific, tangible, actionable. It'll come with spreadsheets. and It'll come with cheat sheets. It, that's what people should be giving away. Why would you want to give away basic concepts that people can learn from YouTube or learn from just reading a $10 book? So most, so people,
1: most people go inch wide. Most people go like one inch deep in a mile wide in real estate. Exactly. But you're taking like one specific, you're going one inch wide, but a mile deep on that one topic. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not sure it's better. I I, I just believe it's different.
0: Yeah. Well, Well, People definitely pick up on that. I think it's a matter of paying it forward too, right? And Mm -hmm. I would be willing to bet that with the amount of information that you've essentially given away for free or gone a lot deeper on, it's led to more opportunities for you in the long run. And it think- has
2: created extreme opportunity for me. And, and it's, it's stunning. I mean, imagine this. So Neil Bawa believes in a certain set of metrics for you know, cities and neighborhoods, where to buy properties. And I give those set, sets of metrics away completely for free to the point where somebody can take them and not even use my name and, and start you know, giving those away to other people or charging for them. I've heard that some people have actually taken my stuff and started to charge other people, which I don't feel good about. But uh, in general... Yeah. It was never intended to be copyrighted. It was intended to be a gift, right? And so even my Udemy course, which 10,000 people a year take, does not have a place where I get your email address. I get nothing, no information about you at all. I just simply give it away because paying it forward specifically means that there is no expectation of something to come back, right? So somebody leaves money for you at, at the door, you know, we've all heard these stories, that's paying it forward. But if you're you're basically up there so that you were you're you have a very strong expectation of getting something back, that's really not paying it forward in my book. In my world, the world of high you know, high end education. It was truly that way. In you know, when an instructor teaches, they just want to give their knowledge out. They're not looking for something back. In fact, they have no way of monetizing it. And so, in our world, we had a different concept of paying it back. So I use that concept. So the Udemy course, yes, there's 10,000 people a year that take it. I don't get their email address. Some of them follow me through multifamily you so I get paid back that way. Some of them become investors with me, so I get paid back that way. And then some of them actually do something unusual, guys you know, uh, Jimmy and Frank, that I didn't think would happen, but it is happening. Some of them are going out there and looking for multifamily properties using my dashboards and metrics. And then when they find a property that they think is really awesome, but it's too big for them to take down, guess who they call? I love that. Call me, right? So essentially, I've created a nationwide funnel of properties using my style and underwriting and beliefs, which is pretty awesome. I didn't didn't think that this would happen at all. It's
1: incredible. That's exciting. So can you tell us, Neil, um, outside of maybe your own personal residence, can you tell us a little bit about your first real estate deal?
2: Well, my first real estate deal was actually one in reverse, right? So most people start with single family rentals, right? My first deal was when the senior partner, a brilliant man, his name is Paul Afshar, who was basically my boss, and I was the minority partner in the business. And he came to me and said, you know, we're making millions of dollars. This is 2003. We're making millions of dollars. We are not going to rent another campus. We have nine months and four days left on our lease. And you and I are going to collaborate, and we're going to build a beautiful campus for our custom use. So we're going to custom design a campus and build it from scratch. And I've already picked out the building. And I'm like, but Paul, our company is growing 30% year over year. We are, we're, crazy busy. And he's like, trust me, this is going to be a massive evolution for our business. Real estate is something magical, Neil. You don't know anything about it, but we're going to both learn together. And so we ran the company for those 10 months. We grew by another 30% in the evening. And basically until two o'clock in the morning, we were designing this beautiful campus, which was 27,000 square feet, was 5 million bucks. And in that process of design, you know he he was more experienced than I was. We learned so much i mean i I learned everything from egress to fire codes to uh, occupancy requirements to basically code violations involving HVAC and heating and you name it I mean it was in, it was a it was insane fire hose. Imagine a fire hose that's ten feet wide <laughs> and you're standing in the middle of it. That's what nine months and four days looked like for me and I don't say nights because there were no nights. We hardly slept. That's
1: nice. crazy. This sounds you know like a typical Silicon Valley story, no?
2: I know. I mean, it's people in Silicon Valley are like, "Oh yeah, yeah." You know, last time I slept was, you know, two thousand four. No, so people are like that here.
0: I I think it's really cool you talk about that rapid learning opportunity, right? Where you're drinking out of a fire hose. I haven't heard that since my finance days, but
2: I was getting drenched by a fire hose.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um yeah. But I think those are the types of opportunities that provide a transformative moment of learning or multiple moments of learning. And I think most people in today's culture kind of shy away from that. And really, um, I bet you wouldn't change it for the world. I bet. you,
2: but, But, you know, what's funny is I groaned, moaned, bitched and complained my way through the whole nine months and four days. Yep. And now I wouldn't change it for the world. So sometimes right. you need to get out of your comfort zone. This, is, this was not a story where I basically realized how awesome it was until the story was done. Yeah. It was when it was done that I realized that he had given me, the, you know, my, my CEO had gifted me a new skill set, which right. other people don't have. I mean, I look at syndicators who've been doing this stuff for seven or eight or 10 years, right? They're senior to me because I haven't been doing it that long. They don't know how to do any of this stuff. They're a, they're, they're, you know, they, they don't go in and syndicate a building that has raw land that the, you can build more units on. I'm doing it simultaneously for two projects, one in Jacksonville and one in Dalton, Georgia. Not to mention that this year I've also bought $130 million worth of projects where right now it's just land. It's going to turn into a beautiful building. So I'm not fearful of that because not once but twice – in my in my experience i went through that process so i realized it was much more complicated than syndication but i also realized i could i could handle it
0: yep nice
2: nice so that so that was
1: the first deal mm-hmm. but you weren't you didn't make did you make much money on that or was that technically since you were working for the company you learned a lot but that was part of the company wasn't
2: it it was just a, a company deal that i didn't make anything on the second deal that i did with the company i did make money on Go and ahead. and and that deal so so two in two years that custom campus made us so much better than our competitors that we filled it up in two years just the entire huge campus we thought that we had 10 years of runway in in less than 24 months the campus was full and now there was a building behind us and it was bigger and was more expensive and we didn't have another five million bucks. We just spent five million bucks, right? So, so my, the founder and I basically collectively decide that we've got to raise some money here because we don't have enough money to do this. So we, we basically create an informal syndication in 2006, 2007, and we, we didn't even know where the word syndication existed. So we probably violated every SEC rule, but we were, <laughs> we were not at syndicators, right? We were just a bunch of tech guys trying yeah. to build a building for our use. So I, I suppose that that's not what the SEC is looking for. So there's all these doctors that we knew that were part of the Washington healthcare system here in Fremont, California. And so we invited them in and basically we sold them on the concept that we're gonna make this building from scratch and you guys are going to buy individual suites that are 2000 square feet each and there's 10 of these suites and we're gonna rent it back from them. And initially I felt like if I could get one person out of those 10 people giving me their money, I would be happy with that. And I realized that I should have been much more confident because the story I was giving them was stunningly powerful we're going to make this building, which is going to look like this gorgeous building that already exists that you're sitting in right now. Right. We're going to for do it concept. for free. We're not going to charge you a split. We're not going to charge you a fee. And we're going to rent those suites back from you. I, sh- I suppose I, that's a great story and I should have been more confident. And so no surprise at the end of that session, all 10 of the doctors signed up. But wow. one of the doctors, their money fell through. So I ended up buying that suite. And guys, for the first time in my life, in my you know, in the in in my life as a big fat technologist with a big fat salary, my salary went up thirty thousand dollars, my taxes went down thirty thousand dollars. And that is when my mindset changed. That's an incredible moment. That at that moment I realized that I had wasted the last decade of my life not knowing about the transformative power of real estate to change your net worth. Right? That's the only way to describe it. Real estate more than any other thing in the world, has a, a magical power to change your net worth. Because it's not about what you make, it is about what you keep. Yes,
1: absolutely. The magic so, of tax laws.
2: The magic of ridiculously biased tax laws, ridiculously biased biased in favor, favor of uh, real estate, and more so even in favor of multifamily, right? And stuff like yeah. cost segregation is, uh, unlikely to be done in the single family arena simply because of you know not having economies of scale I, I don't know if anybody that does cost segregation on single family maybe somebody does but i know that every multifamily does it and the and in in 2017 single family got hit because this, the salt uh, deductions were taken away state and local taxes and were handed over to the multifamily guys in the favor in in the way of bonus depreciation and llc based benefits so i tell you We've got a mafia that I'm now part of, I call it that. It is the the multifamily tax mafia. These are the richest people in America, the top 1% of the top 1% that write all the laws and every time there's tax reform, they give away more stuff to multifamily. I mean, there is no better and simpler way to say this because it's just this stark. You make it sound as a negative, but uh, there's
1: positives to it as well.
2: <laughs> it's, it's, it's huge because there are benefits to doing this. And the, 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 the answer is, I, I think that there's a negative and a positive side to it. I there think that it, it's unfair taxation, to be honest. I mean, I am this year going to earn more than I've ever earned before and paid less taxes than I've ever paid before. And by the way, I'm paying less taxes than when I made $60,000 a year, right? So in, in a way, I find that it's unfair. But They are applying it to something that's very important. Housing Housing. and workforce housing is our future. The United States uh, homeownership rate peaked at 63% somewhere around 2005 and has continued to fall every single year. It fell before the Great Depression of 2008 and fell in 2018 or 2017, I should say, when nine years of recovery time had already taken place. Bottom line is the U.S. is now becoming like every other developed country in the world. The vast majority of Americans are going to live in apartments. And anything yep. that drives the, the, the growth of those apartments, anything that drives the inventory of those apartments is part of social justice today.
1: Powerful. I've never heard you speak about this before. This is awesome.
0: I, I love this. <laughs> this, is, this is great information mm-hmm. um, or, or just really great perspective. Um, because I think most folks, they think either they don't have a, enough money to get started or they don't really think about the tax impact, which could put them in a much better position financially.
2: Dramatically different. And some part of that is, is you know, being able to have a spouse that is uh, that can be a real estate professional. So I have, you know, some unnamed investors that work for a little company called Apple and they make $375,000 a year as their W-2 salary. Yep. And I sat them down for an hour using an Excel spreadsheet and I showed them the ridiculous tax saving that they would have if they could do two things. Number one, each year, some, somewhere around October timeframe, invest $100,000 in a syndication for an existing building. Not my syndications, anyone's syndication, as long as the building was at least 20 years old, okay? Invest 100 grand a year. And then the second thing was, if you have a spouse at home that are just sitting there, then make, turn them into a real estate professional using many of the techniques that I'm not willing to discuss on this podcast because <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble with the IRS. Okay. Yeah, but no there are worries. many techniques that are visible out there if you're willing to search for them on YouTube and on the internet. How can you become a real estate tax professional without spending a huge amount of your time? If you do that, at the end of that, almost literally that person from Apple fell off his chair. The, he almost fell off. I had to grab him and, and hold on to it because he was like, <laughs> this is the most insane thing I've ever heard. It cannot be true. And I said, how about this? We, we do this. We go away for a week. I'll be, we'll be back next Sunday. I was doing this on a Sunday in a Starbucks. And I said, come back next Sunday and we're going to sit down. You're going to do your research for all of this week and I will answer all of your questions. He never made it to Sunday. Four days uh-huh. later, he invested $100,000 into one of my projects. Because he, and he sent me an email saying, I checked everything out. Nothing you said is shady. That's the way the tax laws are.
0: Yep. I love it's, it. So I, so I think one of the big things you hit on there, too, is I, I'll, I'll call it YouTube University, right? Mm-hmm. There is such a wealth of information on the internet that you don't have to pay for. Right, that you can use or
2: leverage to better position yourself, and a lot of people miss out on that too. Um, so absolutely, and and keep in mind, I think that we now have two universities. I used to call it YouTube University for years. I've told my kids that the greatest university in the world is YouTube. I love it. I think now there's two of them it's YouTube and iTunes. I yeah. think these are the two greatest universities in the world. The, the information that is given away is spectacular. Of course, the only downside is the quality of the, the people that are doing these podcasts and doing these YouTube videos is kind of variable, goes up and down. Yes. There's a third one that I can recommend to you is Udemy, udemy.com, U-D-E-M-Y.com. And I can, you know, my, my, obviously I get reviews from my course on Udemy. My course is currently the highest rated Uh, real estate course on Udemy. There's hundreds of real estate courses. And the most common comment in my reviews is, I cannot believe that anybody would give this away for free again and again (laughs) and again and again. My point is not that I'm giving stuff away for free. My point is there's many such courses on Udemy. Many.
0: Neil, can you talk a little bit about what Udemy is and and how you found it and and why you think it's so valuable? Because uh, I know that Frank and I are familiar with it, but I'm not sure if all of our listeners will
2: be. Sure. So, Udemy is a platform that allows anyone to publish content in a structured format. So, podcasts and YouTube videos are unstructured. Udemy doesn't allow you to do that, they would not approve a course. In the way that I'm doing this podcast, or in the way that I've done, you know, webinars, they would not allow that. They want, you know, structured videos. They want some course content. They want some, uh, some hands-on labs. You know, so it has to be more structured. But in the end, you can t- take all of the stuff that you've learned, and if you're willing to do it, and it took me about. About seventy, eighty hours of work to basically put a Udemy course together, but it was very video heavy, and it was very Camtasia heavy, if you know what that is. It's yep. it's, a, it's a it's a tool that records your screen and your video at the same time. Yep. So you've got this very nice video at the bottom right, all cut out, so that you know you you're 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 actually it's not a box, right? It's just your head and and your shoulders that are showing. And then you've got the rest of the screen visible. And there's lots of people that use green screening to do that using Camtasia. I used a green screen behind me so that I I didn't have a box on the right of the screen blocking the screen. And so, so I'm talking and people can hear me and they can see me, but they can also see my screen. And that's how the entire... Um, content there is in my mind, it's it's superior because Udemy forces you through certain channels, which improve the quality of the content. So yep. I think that um, iTunes is very sticky, but Udemy is a better product. Got it. And and free by the way. I mean, there's there's people charging for those courses, and and here's one of my my beefs. A lot of people are like, I'm taking all these Udemy courses, Neil. I'm glad your course is free. And my 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 answer back to them is. Did you see other courses there that weren't free? Yes. There were some others that were charging $9 or $19. And I'm saying in today's world, nine and 19 are also free Yes. because 20 or 30 years ago, people had to pay thousands of dollars for this kind of content. They couldn't even get to it. Forget about having the option to pay for it. So $9 is free. $19 is free. One if you paid nineteen dollars for some the course that was two hours long and you got one actionable nugget that you will use tomorrow morning, that was the best nineteen bucks you ever spent. Absolutely,
1: so people spending twenty bucks on a on a on a meal at breakfast.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. we you know, my, my, I spend more at Starbucks in a week than that. So, yeah. <laughs> to me, we live in an in, in extraordinary golden age of information of analytics, of data, of aha moments, and in my mind, not enough people know just how astonishing this is. I mean, my real focus system, which is in use by 10,000 people a year, this system in the 80s would have cost 25 grand a year as a subscription and physically printed binders that would appear monthly, right, uh, you know, in the mail. And now it's available truly, truly for free. You don't even have to, you know, send your email address to me. That kind of a age of information means that it is actually today easier to make money. A lot of people have this mindset of, you know what, we're just screwed. You know, Our parents had it easy. They, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, it was easier to make money.
0: My oh, feedback
2: it's... is in the 60s, 70s, 80s, it was easier to get a job, a stable job. It is definitely easier to make money today.
0: Yeah. I'm with you a hundred percent. And Frank, I think when you were in my office last week, sitting down, we had a very similar conversation about it is incredible how much information is out there. And if you want it bad enough, you're going to go out and find it and you can create a hell of a living for yourself just based on the free information out there.
2: Mm-hmm. I you tell know? my kids, it makes no sense to be an employee today. You yeah. live in the golden age of information it is much easier to be an entrepreneur. I mean, I remember starting a company in 1999. It was already started, but I, I joined it with a few employees. And we had to deal with things like you know, install servers and spend days basically just setting up mail and then, then spend weeks setting up databases and then months setting up CRM software. All this stuff is accessible today for one-fifth or one-tenth of the price. And it, it's, the setup is so quick that believe it or not, my company uses 67 cloud-based software, <laughs> 67 of them, right? And, you know, I mean, the, 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 they're the typical list, you know, the, the the Slacks, the Asanas, the Office 365, Google, blah, 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 the list goes on and on. Some some are free, most are paid, but the convenience that they give us, the drive that they give us, the abilities that they give us are are things that companies 10 times our size didn't have 30 years ago. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I have a friend
1: using CRM software for free right now.
2: So I Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, stuff like Zoho CRM is free and it's very powerful. I mean, there's so much you can do with it. I mean, MailChimp is free when you get started. So you look at this stuff and you go, holy crap, this used to take like 20% of our total year 20 years ago just to keep the damn email working. And the crashes yeah. and the, the servers going out and the hard drives, you know, blanking on us. And then Y2K happening and us having to change all of our equipment. All that work just disappeared. My Office 365 subscription is five years old. In that, da- in that time frame, I've had zero seconds of downtime. Yep. So there's so many things. And I'm not just talking about software. We have a, co- a company that we work with called Design Monkey. Right. And Design Marquee is an all you can eat design service, right? We pay thirty three hundred dollars a year and we probably give them at least two design, you know, projects a day or tasks a day. That's seven hundred graphics a year for thirty five hundred bucks be the high quality company where I don't have to worry about my graphics designer. Did he show up for work? Does he exist? Did a car hit him? I know that there's 30 of these guys working for Design Monkey, and somebody's going to give me my project back by the end of the day.
1: Yeah, basically, you spend about like, 10 bucks a day on it.
2: Yeah, awesome. getting high quality designers.
1: Amazing. This is so far off topic of where we were heading with this, is so <laughs> no, this is great. You know what, though,
2: this is
0: this is valuable though, because mm-hmm. for those listening that maybe aren't familiar with all this stuff or, or don't know where to start to build the education, not only in real estate but in whatever you choose to do. Hopefully, this is kind of like the cake in the pants to be like, listen, guys, buy in. Figure out what it is that you want to do. And even if you're not 100% sure, go out and find that information. Educate yourself. And that could lead to an additional pivot point of maybe like really pivoting into what you want to do because there are so many avenues to chase. Absolutely.
2: Neil, yeah, since- the future is really open for you.
1: Since we're, since we're uh, way off topic, uh, why don't you bring up uh, – I know you have a whole crew – and not pricing or anything else, but just virtual assistants, how you're using other people in other parts of the world to help you with your real estate business?
2: Sure. So I think um, one of the things with virtual assistants is people are, you know, are, are like, what am I going to give to them? Are they going to be able to do as good of a job as I can? You know, those sorts of questions come up. So it, Firstly, I think you've got to read some books about virtual assistants. Um, The guy who runs Virtual Staff Finder, I can't remember his name. He has a a very nice book. Please read that one. Um, There's there's a number of books on using the power of virtual assistants. Start by reading these books because you've got to change your mindset. Because one of the key things with with using virtual assistants, I have 16 of them, they're full-time employees, is I don't consider them to be virtual assistants. Within my company, you're not allowed to call anybody a VA. Because ah. the moment you do that, you're actually degrading the value of that person. My average virtual assistant has a bachelor's or a master's degree. Yes. They have worked in the virtual assistant industry, working for various companies. They've worked for a minimum of 20 companies for a minimum of 10,000 hours, which is five years. Makes them an expert. Right? They're an expert at so many things that I'm not an expert in right? That's the quality of people. The only reason they cost five or six bucks an hour is because they live on the other side of the world. Right? So the first thing is stop treating your virtual assistants as virtual assistants because in your mind you're actually reducing some of the things that they are capable of doing. Right? When you, when you start to think, Oh, this person can only do X. Well, they're going to end up only doing X, but not because that, that's what they're capable of, but that's because what you're capable of thinking, right? So start there and that's my, my, my first, you know, advice to you. And then I can tell you what are all the things that they do for me, right? And we can dive into, into some of these within the, the, the realms of this particular presentation. But here's a basic list of what my virtual assistants do, right? I'm gonna pull up this list and, and we read call, it off.
1: As you're pulling it up, we call them a rever- a remote office staff is what we call them.
2: Exactly, that, that's really what they are, remote office staff. So here are just some of the departments that virtual assistants are running at Grow Capitalist. Operations, sales, marketing, accounting, investor lead generation, investor management. Tenant lead generation, tenant lead processing, delinquency management, human resources, property management audits, renewal management, reputation management. That's just the first 15 that they're running. That's, that's right? amazing. But you've really got to look at this as, as what it is. It is a life-changing ability. I, I you know I, I keep saying it's easier to do a business now, right? Where did you have access to these virtual assistants even 15 years ago? Nobody had access. You did not have beautiful web portals like Upwork that are recording every second of what these people are doing. Every keystroke is recorded. Every screenshot's taken. They can't possibly be double-timing you because you you have access. There's activity trackers that are being provided that have beautiful dashboards that show you, okay, well, this person is busy eight out of 10. This one's busy nine out of 10. And this schmuck over here is four out of 10. He's probably double-timing you with another laptop. So go fire him. Do you even have this for US staff? I have them for the Filipino staff, right? Right. So so in I I always tell people my Filipino staff is probably more productive than my US staff. Doesn't mean you don't need people in the US. People are like, so you're just outsourcing your business? No. My business has more employees in the US because it's growing very fast and it's growing very fast because I'm using virtual assistants. Again, they're team members in my company, but I want to make sure I keep using a term that people are... Used to, but those are just some of the departments that yeah. our VAs are, are, are leading. And I emphasize the word leading because the, one of the worst things that you can do is basically hire one VA. The, if you're using them right, you should be desperate for more of them all the time. Do you know that the most important virtual assistant that I have is a recruiter that just hires virtual assistants? <laughs>
0: So it's funny that you say that because I just hired my first virtual assistant. She actually started today um, for my property management company. And uh, when I was on the phone with Frank's partner, Pedro, um, not, not a plug for Frank's company by any means, but I was like, you know what? This is incredible. I didn't realize how well versed they were. And I can imagine that the second hire is going to come very quickly because I recognize how much
2: value they have. It's incredible amounts of value. And, they, and again, we, we use them in a completely elevated sort of way that I've never seen anybody do use in real estate. But I came from tech, where obviously right. every company in technology is using offshoring, right? I mean, yeah, you they, they all use any of the top 50 companies in the US that are in tech. And they, they in vast majority of them will have most staff, more staff outside the U.S. than in the U.S., right? And then they, they use a mix of com, uh, countries. They use Mexico and India and the Philippines, kind of being the most common one. China, of course, is huge. Uh, you are a hardware guy. Yeah. Just
1: to tell you, you don't know this, but I actually have a virtual assistant company. We don't usually promote it on the podcast, but nice. It, you know, That's so awesome. we ha- we hire, and one of one of our one of our assistants, uh, she has a Ph.D. in biology.
2: Yeah. I, mean, I see, yeah, I see all of this stuff. I, I have a guy that is fantastic and he has a master's in IT, right? Yeah. So not only is he a virtual assistant with us, he also takes care of all of our IT backends because he knows all that stuff way better than I ever could. And I come from IT, right? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So I think that this is another example of the, the sort of things that people should be doing. My ideal scenario is any company today whether it's a real estate company or it is running something else. Unless you're a retail business, like a restaurant, you know, and obviously there's a few exceptions here and there, a retail business, somebody that's running a theme park. Other than that, if it's the kind of business where people have to work in an office, two thirds of your employees should be outsourced. Two thirds. The two third, one third rule I've found to apply to all four of the businesses I've run. Even walmart's doing it with uh, when you you would get a cell phone from Walmart you're
1: talking to someone in the Philippines or India
2: yeah, yeah they, there's you know they're probably not at a two thirds one third level because of no. the nature of their business, right, but I think office type businesses, especially real estate type businesses, our job is to call people all across the United States, whether we're calling brokers or lenders or owners that's very, very easy to get rid of Did you know that the number one Business obviously call centers are, are huge, but the number one business vertical that uses virtual assistants is real estate.
1: I did not know that. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. So let's let's circle back to some of our uh, questions because we're we're out of t- we're just about out of time. Sure. Um, the first thing I would ask is that if someone wants to become a better investor in real estate, what would you recommend they do right now?
2: The first thing that you should really be doing is start to track things yourself. You've got a a lot of the time, the changes you need to make are not external, they're internal, right? And what I find is, so you're a real estate investor. Let's say all you've done is you've got two single family rentals, okay? What I'd like you to do is for about six months, to become a better investor for about six months each month, I'd like you to have an Excel spreadsheet, which has every expense category and every income category for your two properties. Okay, and I can promise you this, and I've done this live, I've done this live with, with students in a, in a big you know, uh, room with me up on stage. You're going to be surprised that you are not making the same profits that you thought you were making. You're going to be very surprised because most of us are simply looking at the gross rents and calculating what we're making as a basis, uh, as a percentage of that. But to be a better investor, to invest in other people's deals, perhaps even to invest in your own deal, you first got to have that minimum, um, you know, that, that mathematical bent. To me, I think accounting and math are the most boring things in the world. I tell people the least sexy things in the world are the most sexy things in the world. <laughs> True that. Right True that, and yep. and so as an investor, you've really got to look at yourself first. How much am I tracking myself? Because to becoming a better passive investor or an active investor is first about being more numbers-driven.
0: If it's not being measured, it can't be managed. And that's I know right. there's there's an age-old saying that's very similar to that. I don't know mm-hmm. if I just butchered it or what, but it's the absolute truth. Once mm-hmm. you start measuring it, then you can manage it levels better, and that's mm-hmm. going to lead you to a better outcome in the long run.
2: Yep. So another way of saying the same thing is data beats the crap out of gut feel 99 <laughs> times out of 100. I've heard you that. say that before.
1: <laughs> All right, so
2: last question. What is one book you've read lately and what you consider a must read? So, you know, obviously you've had people recommend a bunch of books on your podcast, but <laughs> to me one that I really enjoyed was a book called Traction because it was not a book about starting. It was a book about what happens after you've already started. And it was so enjoyable to me because when I read the book, I'd already started. I already had employees. I already had revenue. I already had investors. But I think the book really addressed, okay, how do you get from there to become a best best in class company? So Traction is phenomenal because it comes with an operating system. It's called EOS, E-O-S. And the EOS operating system is the heartbeat of your company if you implement it. I love books like that because they're not books about concepts. They're books that are very specific. And they say, use this spreadsheet and this at this time for this many number of minutes to do X. Those are marvelous.
0: Jim, you've read that book, right? This is like a sign from God for me because (laughs) I've had probably four or five conversations in the last two weeks. And traction has come up multiple times. So I'm going to take that off of my red bookshelf and add it to the top of my list to reread it again. And I think that it could be really important at multiple stages of your entrepreneurial journey or uh, anyone's journey, um, because it helps level up, right? Yep, it does. So Neil, um, if somebody want to reach out to you, what's the best way to, to reach out to you?
2: Well, I'm very visible. So firstly, you can reach out to me through <laughs> Facebook, right? Awesome. Um, The Magic of Multifamily group, so if you just go to Facebook, type in Magic of Multifamily, hit enter, is the fastest growing group in multifamily on Facebook. So we add 200 members a week. And that's a great way to interact with me. You can interact with me directly there. The second way to interact with me is to take my Udemy course. The Udemy course is marvelous. It has very, very high ratings, and and you'll notice thousands of people taking it. So the best way to take the Udemy course is just type in Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y, and then my name, Neil Bawa, into Google. Hit enter, and that'll take you to the course. And then the third way, the final way, is through my website, multifamilyu.com. Multifamilyu, followed by the the letter u.com, where you'll see over 50 webinars that are delivered by experts in the field. I'm very nitpicky on who I bring onto my... um, Um, you know, platform. That's why I don't do a podcast because I don't know how you guys do it. I I can't find, you know, non-pitching people to do it on a weekly basis. And so I just, sometimes we do one webinar a month. Sometimes we do two a week.
0: There's a webinar
2: tonight where one of the top attorneys in the real estate and and asset management field, Clint Coons, is presenting. We have 551 people signed up. That's incredible. Um, So those kinds of no pitch deep dive webinars can be found at multifamilyu.com. If you're looking to invest with us, you'll see information on multifamilyu.com as well. So hopefully you can join. If you're looking for passive investment, you can join our nearly 500 investor group.
0: Awesome. Neil, thanks for sharing all those avenues to to connect with you and learn more about what you do. Um, So uh, everyone listening, we hope that you enjoyed the cashflow Kings podcast. In the meantime, if you're looking for some great daily content outside of some of the stuff that Neil produces as well, uh, feel free to check us out on Instagram under The Cashflow Kings. Cheers to your success.
1: The Cashflow Kings podcast is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice. Each person should consult their own advisors prior to making any financial decisions.